and now we are recording. Hey, how well can you hear me? Oh. <laughs> I did. Hey guys. I don't even have to sit beside it, and it's. I'm so close, and so if I am totally destroying your eardrums, I apologize. because yeah that was really loud oh gosh <laughs> like the, the sound waves so should like, i push it back i'm gonna push it back that or either turn your volume down a little bit on the thing oh yeah there's that option yeah we hey i say we but shauna i'm you did we got new mics <laughs> Whoop. oops sorry Whoop. sorry guys your drums i'm sorry i can't i i'm you know what be, hey 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 warning now it's gonna get loud it's gonna get obnoxious and it's you wearing headphones super clear. <laughs> wearing headphones just beware i'm, I'm sorry try and make it a little less loud <laughs> it, it took us now. a long time to get here we've been sitting down here for about 45 <laughs> minutes this microphone's so far away it's weird i know i'm like i'm sitting up on the couch away from it because it's uncomfortable to sit on the floor now because you know still pregnant here mm -hmm. and if you don't follow us on social media um i did post everywhere that um our baby babylonian is a little boy <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be doing some serious okay i'm gonna adjustment. try to move it sorry it's okay and we have both of our mics going oh and then there's gonna be feedback if i keep going closer to you it's gonna be great it's gonna uh, be fine yeah I don't know. um that was probably fun so yeah um so uh before we jump into it we had two new countries while we were on hiatus for a week because i had a mental breakdown and i was in the middle of moving but guys i'm finally moved out and i'll stop Hooray! talking about it Here's me clapping super quietly. It's so weird. So please sound super clear. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, so we now have um, wonderful listeners. <coughs> I'm dying. <coughs> I just breathed wrong. Oh my god. In Israel and Argentina. Hey, welcome, so, New Babylonians. Well, hello, beautiful humes. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting on episode one, you won't hear this for a hot, hot minute, but thank God we sound better. Yay! And loud as shit. Hey, so, all right. Yeah, I haven't had any, um, well, I guess we did have that one guy message us and tell us our podcast was bad, but I think it's because our sound was shit, and now we're finally, um... We're moving on up. Mm -hmm. To the blue side. To the blue COVID. side, because of the microphones we got, boom, boom. Yes, so it's fancy. <laughs> So, I don't think there's other any other business. Um, um, today is my 12-year anniversary with my husband, even yay. though not married, but, like, being together. So, <laughs> big news, That's the one they really celebrate. I mean, they it's do true. celebrate a little bit. Of, or their We're like, fuck our wedding, whatever. This is when we got together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, I shared it in my Facebook memories, because this is also... Um, when they were two years together, when my brother proposed it's to her. It's true. In the room that I sleep in now. It's true. <laughs> yes. So, it's pretty beautiful. And actually, um, I've decided that my baby's name, middle name, will actually be my brother's first name, which is Vincent. Mm. And he acted like he didn't care, but he cares. <laughs> he does. He's, He's like, oh, so that, does that mean I have to like this kid? I'm like, as if you don't like my son already. <laughs> like my my son Arlo that you've heard before in the past. Um which my brother is an 
awesome dad and uncle, so I'm just going to leave it at that. And I'm going to be a dad, so, um, I mean, there's that. Be a dad. She's the official father yeah, of this father. child. It's so true. she's my uh, sister husband. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's going to be my plus one. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, we babble, because this is what we do. If you don't like it, um, I'm so sorry. Maybe we should start saying, hey, the podcast story actually begins here. Maybe we yes. should start putting that in there. If you guys don't want to hear us babble, start at this time. 13.52 minutes, minutes or something. <laughs> Hopefully it's not that long. But no, my when I went to my doctor's appointment, because I went to, we have a separate sonogram place in my town, and I went there, and that's how I was able to determine the gender. And, um, but my doctor, I was all like dressed, you know, not cute because I was cleaning and moving stuff. And I was like, sorry, I'm not dressed in the nines. He's like, well, I wasn't expecting a ball gown. And I was like, well, I'll keep that in mind for future reference. He's like, I mean, if you're going to show up in one, I'm going to take a picture of it. Like, especially if it's like, you know, when you're giving birth, I'm like, you don't know who you just challenged. <laughs> exactly doc. right. That is exactly right. And I was like, right. you don't act like I won't come in there in a ball gown and my sister in fairy godmother wings. <laughs> like... Don't underestimate my weirdness. So if I um, go into labor and I'm wearing a ball gown, I will definitely post that picture for y'all. Yes, yes, yes. Now that that's over, let's talk about sad things. Fantastic. And this is actually going to be a two-parter. Hey-ho! Because, you know, we didn't... On weeks when we miss, with if life happens, we're going to try and maybe start recording ahead of time. But for this week, we will not. Um, so we'll do. We're going to do all of our recording today. Boom. And um, so yeah, we're going to have a two-parter. So um, first episode will come out which today. If you're listening, it's Tuesday, and part two will be here on Friday. So you only have to wait three days and not three years. So you're there welcome. You go. Yep. So um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this guy. His name is Dennis Andrew Nilsson. He is the Muswell Hill murderer. Muswell? Muswell. M-U-S-W-E-L-L. Okay. Um, excuse me. He was born on November 23rd, 1945 in Strichen, Aberdeen. Okay. To a Scottish mother and a Norwegian father. Oh. He's quite a mutt. So, I like it. Yeah. Um, his father, unfortunately, was an alcoholic and his parents were um, divorced when he was about four years old. His mother ended up remarrying, and she was like, bye, and sent him to his grandma- grandparents' house. But after a couple of years, he ended up getting sent back to his mom. So he claimed that the first traumatic inv- event in his life when he was a small child was when, he, when his beloved grandfather passed away. His strict Catholic mother insisted that he view the vod- the body wow, mm-hmm. the body before burial. Ugh. Whether this incident or his mother and stepfather's lectures on the impurities of the flesh helped shape him into the monster he used to become, no one really knows. Okay. So, we're okay. I'm babbling for a second. My I- mom, when she was younger, was telling me, I don't know how young. I'm assuming younger than Xander and Zabri, so they're nine and ten. Um, had to go to a funeral and see the body and it just traumatized her. I don't remember her right. telling me what, Who it was you've or already, but like, so like she said, I will never ever have anybody like make, make, especially like making a child go see something like that, you know, yeah. like that. And I wasn't raised Catholic, but like, mm-hmm. I know that is more of a thing for Catholics, but yeah. like, I, some people even like say touching the body brings good luck or something to that I don't effect. know, but I'm just going to be burned. So yeah. just cremate my ass and yeah. Her and my brother's ashes will be mixed together. Yes. I've already decided that. Yes. Yep. Well, we've decided it. I'm going to do it. Make sure it happens. Well, you decided it? Okay. Yep. You will be together. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. We can make jewelry with our ashes. Give yes. it to the children. I will. 
Okay. Well, well, I want one too. Hello. That's fine. But you better die in like 40, 50 years, ma'am. Okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> you have to help me raise these kids. That's right. Dad. <laughs> I gotta be a good dad. Hashtag you are the father. That's right. Okay, so anyways. Um, All right, so point being, I, I, I could see it being traumatizing. I don't think traumatizing enough where you're going to go murder people, but you know, it's going to affect you. In some form or fashion, mm-hmm. for sure. So 1961, he enlists in the British Army. Okay, so he's in Brit- Britain. British Army, and he became a cook in Aden, Cyprus. And in Berlin, um, he left the army in 1972, so he was in for 11 years. Hey, my dad was in for 11 years too, and served briefly as a police officer. Weird. Oh my god! It's, so did my dad. It's your dad. <laughs> oh my god, it's my dad. We here's where we find out the truth. Yeah, my dad's name is not Dennis. That's gross. But it's Donald. Donald and Dennis. Damn. <laughs> oh my god, I'm moving. From the mid 1970s. He might be murdered. <laughs> Nilsson worked as a civil servant in a job center. He was involved in a series of su- superficial relationships with men, though they did not assuage a sewage? Yep. Sure. His feelings of isolation and loneliness. Definitely so, not your dad. Sorry. He's um <laughs> he's often compared to my dude. I shouldn't say it like that, but well, Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. He's I find his story just gross and fascinating. Yes. Um, he sought somebody who wouldn't leave. That being that being a corpse, like a sex zombie. If you're not familiar with Jeffrey Dahmer's story, go listen to Morbid. They did a three-parter on it, and it's fucking awesome and gross and detailed. Very fucking detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, lovely. So all his victims were students or homeless men whom he picked up in bars and brought to his house. House, mm-hmm. even for fuck mm-hmm. or just for company. Oh my god. <laughs> Got to enlighten it somehow, and apparently it just developed a fucking list. Mm-hmm. <sighs> People with lists are gonna be like, "You're a fucking bitch." <laughs> Sorry, my tongue just—it's been a fucking month, guys. Now that I'm completely it's over. Now that I can breathe. And month is over. It's new month. So it's new fine. month. So, Nilsson—he um, liked to strangle and drown his victims um, during the night, um, waking up a little to no memory of what he had done. Drown them in a sink, a tub, a pool? Usually a tub is... We'll get into it. Okay, sorry. The the murders are very, very detailed in the notes that I found with this. Sweet. Um, I love details. Yeah. He used his butchering... Bur- I'm fine. Butchering skills. <laughs> I literally knew I was going to say butchering and tried to stop myself, and it didn't work. <laughs> Butchered that word. <laughs> um, so he learned those butchering skills in the army, and they were. he ended up using that skill to dispose of the bodies. <sighs> Okay. So it's pretty gross how they find out that he was doing this. It was okay. gross, gross, gross. So he had access also to a large garden and was able to burn many of the remains in a bonfire. And I don't know if anyone... I've burned my hair, and I think I've maybe, like, burned my skin a couple times, but I've never, like, smelt burning flesh. Sorry. <laughs> just like, that was not a good segue. I just started talking about burning yeah, myself. Yeah, I know. And it's I'm like, well, how and where? I just, like, I couldn't imagine the smell of burning flesh. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Um, <laughs> my brother uh, used to brew beer, and uh, one time moving uh, a boiling pot of liquid, and it got on his eye, and it was <gasps> terrifying. So uh, that's not burning, but I've seen what that does. There's, as far as smell, yes, I too have burnt my hair before, and that smell is just gross in itself. So burning flesh it's i'm sure i'm sure it's not bacon you know (laughs) like so i just literally drooled when you said that i'm fine so we are going to get into 
his victims. So I'm going to just trigger warning you right now. Some of it's real, real graphic. Fantastic. I mean, if you know Jeffrey Dahmer's story, you know he wasn't a ray of sunshine either. Mm -hmm. So here we go. And some of these boys are young. Um, so um, his first victim is 14-year-old <laughs> Stephen Holmes, who was born... Um, or no, he killed him on December 30th, 1978. Rest in peace, sweet boy. Yes. Uh, Holmes encountered Nilsen in the Cricklewood Arms Pub, where Holmes had unsuccessfully attempted to purchase alcohol. You're 14. 14 year old Do they have ages adult. there? Do they? I don't know. I, I don't know in like England. I think it's like 16 or okay. 18. Because I remember when my mom went on her England trip, she was able to drink on the plane and she was 16. Okay. So he was unable to purchase alcohol. According to Nilsen... He had been drinking heavily alone on the day he met Holmes before deciding in the evening that he must, at all costs, leave his, leave his flat and seek company. Barf. Um, Nilsen ended up inviting Holmes to his house with the promise of two, the two, uh, promise of two drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. Just two drinking. That's not drinks, two mm -hmm. drinking. Of them drinking alcohol together and listening to music, because that's casual. You're, okay, so this is 1978. He's like... 33. Okay, well then here we go. Sorry, babble time. Pause for the cause. Boop, boop. Interesting. Okay, so we've been listening to um, True Crime Garage and interesting that we're talking about a, an, another male that, okay, point being Shauna, sorry. And it's something I want to really try to instill in my children, especially getting to the age where they're going to start going to well, one's in junior high, but junior high in high school. I remember being younger and thinking, oh my gosh, this adult that's yeah. hanging out with these kids. It's just a cool adult. Like, my parents wouldn't fucking understand. My parents aren't cool. Like, this guy buys us beer. This guy fucking yeah. gives us cigarettes. And that's that is... Growing. It's it's so... Um, We just need to teach our children that that is not okay. No adult... Should be doing that. Should be doing that. And there's no reason for an adult to say we need to keep secrets. There's no reason for an adult mm -hmm. to tell you something I that you shouldn't tell your parents. Stuff. He's four. Right. And, and, um, and just, I gotta... I have to... Vince and I have to sit down and really figure out a, a proper, better, lack of, anyway, a good way to instill this in our kids so it sticks with them and they know. Because I, I remember that. Because I had, I knew people. Luckily, nothing happened to me or right. any of my Same. friends that I'm aware of. Yeah. But that's fucking scary. And yeah. and, that, and that it's it's not good. If, if somebody, especially if they're like, you know, 33, 30, 20, whatever it might be, you know, and yeah. I'll really like, I, I've got this job, I've got all this money, but they live in a fucking shack or their mom's basement or, and they're riding a scooter to work or their bike or, you know what I mean? Like, come on, this guy is making up crazy. He's got the fucking emotional capacity of a fucking Muppet baby. So get <laughs> the fuck over it. Like, don't, 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 don't. Sorry, I had to. But that's, well, that's a good freaking It's scary. Point. It's so scary because cause as a teenager, you're going to think, oh, cool, oh, this guy's God, giving me this, the drugs. He's giving me the alcohol. He's getting whatever. Yeah. You know, I can do whatever it's I want here. It's a form of grooming. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It's, it's awful. So they're chilling out, hanging out, listening to music because Nilsson thought this boy was about at least 17 years old. Even if you're 33 and think he's So 17, he claims. That's Ew. still gross. Right. Seventeen is still a fucking child. Mm -hmm. At Nilsson's home, both he and Holmes drank heavily before they fell asleep. Mm -hmm. So he wakes up. Nilsson wakes up. His name is Dennis, but I put Nilsson in here as his last name a lot. He wakes up and he finds Holmes asleep on his bed. In his sub subsequent written confessions, Nilsson stated he was afraid to wake him in case he left me. Okay. 
All right. After caressing the sleeping youth, Nelson decided Holmes was to stay with me over the new year, new year whether he wanted or not. They met on December 30th, so now it's December 31st. Um, new Year's um, Eve. Yeah, whether he wanted to leave or not. Reaching for a necktie, Nelson straddled Holmes as he strangled him into unconsciousness before drowning the teenager in a bucket filled with water. Nelson then... Okay, this is gross. Um, if you need to skip ahead, now's the time to do it. This is going to get a little graphic. Um... Nelson then washed the body in his bathtub before placing Holmes on the bed and caressing his body. He twice masturbated over the body before awaiting the passing of rigor mortis to enable him to stow the corpse beneath his floorboards. Okay, when wow. I was reading these notes to review this, I was like, I, I, was, I was at work. And um, <laughs> because I printed them off and I just had them at work to take home with me. And I read that and I was like, <gasps> and wow. my coworker's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just rereading my notes. And hi. And, um, Arlo's down here. And then they put him beneath the floorboards. And that always makes me think of Edgar Allan Poe, um, the telltale heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, just in the, how the beating of the heart makes him go crazy. Right, right. <sighs> but that's, anyways. that's, but you know what? I, I appreciate the details. I, I it's, it's, it's really awful. gross. No, but it's important too, I feel yeah, like, because when people, so when you sugarcoat some of this stuff, you don't, you need to realize just how gruesome these these horrible people are yeah, like this is this isn't anything to fantasize about like when people with like um manson and fucking bundy and shit like that like oh my god and sending him nudes and like come well, like, these well, are like doing that with that chris watts yeah guy yeah yeah, in yeah. Colorado. like these are horrible eating it up horrible right. horrible people do not fantasize about them mm. like this these are these are these are just nasty, true walking women. on earth monsters yep. Oh, hi, boy. Hi. I find this one. Ooh, oh, what color is that? A blue. Very good. Mine. Hey, look at I found a bullet, Arlo. What? I found a, a Nerf, Nerf bullet. bullet. I would like to clear that up. <laughs> I said a Nerf bullet. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, he stows okay. the corpse beneath, beneath the floorboards. Um, Holmes ends up... He, the Okay, Holmes's bound corpse stayed under the floorboards for almost eight months before Nelson built a bonfire in the garden behind his flat and burned the body on August 11th, 1979. Four months, is that what you said, or eight? Eight months. So the smell? There had, there had, there's no, there's... There had to have been a smell. We talk about it okay. later on. Okay, sorry. Um, so this is this is an expert excerpt from his recollections that of he wrote these down. So this is Nilsson's nasty fucking writing. Um, I eased him into his new bed beneath the floorboards. A week <laughs> later, I wondered whether his body had changed at all or he had started to decompose. I disinterred him and pulled the dirt-stained youth up onto the floor. His skin was very dirty. I stripped myself naked and carried him into the bathroom and washed the body. There was practically no discoloration, and his skin was pale white. His limbs were more relaxed than when I had put him down there. Wow. That's interesting, oh. though. It's interesting, but it's just... No, it's 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 horrible. I apologize <gasps> for my... Like, it's just very interesting. Like but That's that's what is in his mind. Yeah. Oh. Like, I want to know what it... Like, and then, but the, then cur he the, to, like, the disgusting curiosity. Yes. And then he wants yes. to take care of this child and clean its body. Mm. Hey, ah. Mama. What, baby? I'm going to your house tomorrow. I know. I'm so excited, <laughs> bug. We're going to have fun. Oh, my God. That was cute. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that was his rec written recollection of the ritual he observed after wow. the murder of his first victim. And there's a lot. I'll, I'll disclose that number when we get well, to Well, I'm just interested... Okay, so I thought he was 17. I don't know. I, I'm thinking 
I feel like if you're going to take that much quote-unquote care of something, you would... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, because I have, I have a relatively sane mind. <laughs> um, I would feel you'd take that much more care for somebody younger, but I don't know the rest of his victims. So I'm just jumping the gun here. Right. I don't know. I just I feel like he fucking knew this kid wasn't 17. Sorry. So, <laughs> re reflecting on his killing spree in 1983, he stated having killed... Holmes, I caused dreams which caused death, that this is my crime, adding that he started down the avenue avenue of death and possession of a new kind of flatmate. Wow. So between the first and second murders, um, he attempted to murder a student named Andrew Ho from, the Hong, from Hong Kong who he had met in the West End. Although questioned by police, the student decided not to prosecute and Nelson was released without charge. Wow. So, well, student, you should have prosecuted. I know. So two months after the attempted murder of um, Ho, so his first murder was in December, December 30th, 1978. So now we're jumping a year to December 3rd, 1979. Wow. Nielsen encountered a 23-year-old Canadian student named Kenneth Ockenden. I'm hoping I'm not saying these wrong. It's all right. Um, who had been on a tour of England visiting relatives. Oh. Nelson encountered Ockenden as they both drank in a West End pub. Upon learning the youth was a tourist, Nelson offered to show him several London landmarks, an <laughs> offer which Ockenden accepted because, I mean, that's casual. It's not scary. Yeah. Kid. Um, Nelson then invited the youth to his house on the promise of a meal and further drinking. The pair stopped at a, an off license. In How old is this kid? 23. Okay. En route to Nelson's residence. In per oh, okay. Off license. That must be like a liquor store in England or yeah to Nielsen's resident residence okay mm -hmm. and purchase whiskey rum and beer with Ockenden insisting on sharing the bill oh they're really nice <laughs> damn it <laughs> yeah have this oh okay we're doing podcast buggy yep uh Nielsen was adamant he could not recall the precise moment he strangled Ockenden but he recalled that he strangled the youth with the cord of his, Nilsson's headphones as Ockenden listened to music. He recalled dragging the youth across his floor with the wire wrapped around his neck as he strangled him before pouring himself a half glass of rum and continuing to listen to music upon the headphones which he just strangled Ockenden oh with. Oh my gosh. <sighs> can you pause it for a second? Yes, I can. I'm... Okay. So the following day... Not right now, babe. Can you take it up into the other bedroom? Yeah. And play with it there? Heck yes. yeah, upstairs. <laughs> so the following day, Nelson purchased a Polaroid camera and photographed Ockenden's body in various suggestive positions. He then laid Ockenden's corpse spread-eagled above him on his bed as he watched television for several hours before wrapping the body in plastic bags and stowing the corpse beneath the floorboards. Jeez. On approximately four different occasions over the following fortnight, that's two weeks in case you don't know that. I didn't know that, thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> I learned that in English class in high school. Nilsson <laughs> um, disinterred, which uh, that means disinterred, or disinterred. I think that's better, because turd doesn't sound very pretty. This reminds me of um, my dog, it's fine. Yep. Um, that means he basically goes back and gets the body up a few times. Um, he did it four times. Ockenden's body from beneath the floorboards and seated the body upon his armchair alongside him as he himself watched television and drank alcohol. Okay, honey. Okay, Arlo, you're being really loud. You gotta go upstairs. Okay, love you. <laughs> so, 
That is victim number three. Okay, so he he two, he, he dug him up four times. Yeah, and just let him sit on the couch beside him while he drank and watched TV. Crazy. Casual. That is crazy. It's freaking nuts. Okay, so now we're moving on to so he he would go like almost a year in between some of these or these well, first because he's few. fucking hanging out with them still. Yeah, because that was in December of nineteen seventy nine. Oh, I guess okay, I lied. I think I saw a new year. It's only five months later when he encounters his next victim. And this next victim is 16 year old Martin Duffy. And he ends up murdering him on May 17th, 1980. Duffy was a catering student from Birkenhead Merseyside, which, um, who had hitchhiked to London without his parents' knowledge on May 13th after being questioned by the British transport police for evading his train fare for four days. Mm -hmm. Duffy had slept rough, um, rough near, I don't know what that means, slept near the, I'm going to guess it's Euston Rail, Railway Station before Nilsson encountered the youth as he returned from a union conference in Southport. So Duffy, Nilsson recollected, was both exhausted and hungry and happily accepted Nilsson's offer of a meal in bed for the evening. After he falls asleep in Nilsson's bed, Nilsson fashioned a ligature around his neck, then simultaneously sat on Duffy's chest and tightened the ligature with a great force. Nilsson held this grip until Duffy became unconscious. He then dragged the youth in his kitchen and drowned him in his sink before bathing with the body, which he recollected as being the youngest looking I had ever seen. So he must have been more youthful looking than the 14-year-old. He thought wow. the 14-year-old was 17, and this kid's only 16. Um, Duffy's Ooh. body was first placed... Oh, no. Sorry, I just saw the next line. Um, was first placed on a kitchen chair, then on the bed which on which he'd been strangled. The body was repeatedly kissed, complimented, and caressed by Nilsson, mm. both before and after he masturbated while sitting upon the stomach of the corpse. Ooh, that just made my... Okay, I'm fine. For two days, Duffy's body was um, stowed in in a cupboard before Nelson noted signs of bloating. Therefore, he went straight under the floorboards. Wow, who was the other serial killer? There was one, I just recently watched it on ID, I think. Um, Well, I know John Wayne Gacy put his down in the basement. Okay, yeah. And then there's another one that did in the attic, and it was about two. Gacy was super popular, but there was one. Pre Gacy, I think it was pre. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember his name. Gosh darn it. Um, but and then they were talking about the similarities between Gacy and this other person, and he put him up in the rafters, I believe, or the attic. Crazy. I'll have to find it and text it to you. Yes. All right. So now we're going to be moving on to our his next victim. I'll just read it. Um, it doesn't say his age on here. Oh. Okay. Yes. It does. He's twenty six. Um, he, Billy, his name is Billy Sutherland. He was a male prostitute from Scotland. Nelson could not remember how he murdered Sutherland. However, it was later revealed that the victim had been strangled by someone using their bare hands. Mm. Following Duffy's murder, Nelson began to kill with increasing frequency. Before the n- end of 1980, he killed a further five vic- victims and attempted to murder one other. Only one of these victims who Nelson murdered, 26-year-old William David Sutherland, um, had, has ever been identified. Oh, my. Nelson's recollections of the unidentified victims were vague, but he graphically recalled how each victim had been murdered and just how long the body had been retained before dissection. 
One identified unidentified victim killed in November had his um, had moved his legs in a cycling mo motion as he was strangled. Nilsson is known to have abs absented himself from work between November 11th and 18th. 18th, I think that's a 1980. Yeah, 19 end of 1980. Likely due to this particular murder because of him bicycling his legs. Um, another unidentified victim, Nilsson, had unsuccessfully, uh, unsuccessfully attempted to resuscitate before sinking to his knees and sobbing before standing to expressly spit at his own image as he looked at himself in the mirror. On another occasion, occasion, why did I say it like that? He laid in bed along the side of an unidentified victim as he listened to the classical theme fanfare for the common man before bursting into tears. Um, inevitably, the accumulated bodies beneath his floorboards attracted insects and created, created a foul odor, mm -hmm. particularly throughout the summer month, obviously. And there's coffin flies, too, that, that yeah. specifically go for mm -hmm. rotting. And it doesn't have to be human flesh. It's just any rotting flesh. Right. Um, on occasion, when Nilsson disinterred, disinterred, whatever, I can't, I'm fine. Victims from beneath the floorboards, he noticed that the bodies were covered with pupae which I know is um, flies, mm -hmm. and infested with ma <sighs> maggots. Ugh, Some victims' heads had magging, ma maggings. Mm -hmm. oh, maggots crawling out of their eye sockets and mouths. Oh, my goodness. These You've seen that in horror movies. Yeah. That's crazy. He placed deodorants beneath the floorboards and sprayed insecticide about the flat twice daily, but the odor of decay and presence fly of flies remained. It's just, those bodies... They, that um, smell. They just don't I mean, that's a it. that's a very certain smell, Stench, from my understanding. Yes. So, I mean, I've smelled rotting, like cow or pig meat. You know what I mean? Like in the fridge or something like that. I've smelled I, that. Uh, so, so as I was cleaning up the house, <laughs> this will be a small little babble for y'all. We need a cl palate cleanser right now. So I'm pregnant. Remember, <laughs> and pregnancy brain is a real thing. I don't care if anybody doesn't believe in it. It's a freaking thing. It 100 percent is. And um, my beautiful friend Sarah uh, lent or didn't lend. She gave me some food because I was low on groceries and I wasn't going to do a big haul when I was knew I was trying to move. Right. And so I didn't have a lot in my house. So she's like, "Here, just take a couple things." Well, she gave me meat. And you know where that meat didn't end up? My freezer. So oh, Lord. <laughs> we were like, something smells like it died in my freaking pantry. I thought it was a mouse. Oh, boy. Was it a mouse? It was freaking rotting meat. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Ugh. So that has, and, and from That's what I've awful. seen on, like, ID and stuff uh -huh. like that, like, they talk about when you, you, you smell human death, I'm assuming, hum, you know, whatever, like, it smelled death, it's, it's, it's just, it you stuff. you know like you yep. know that smell and it's pungent and it's it's so so multiple oh. bodies yeah oh, like oh. just I think even if you have the Rona you could smell that shit good God yep so in the late 1980 um, he ends up removing and dissecting the bodies of each of his victims killed since 1979 so this has been over a, exactly a year. And burned them upon a communal bonfire he had constructed on waste ground behind his flat. How does nobody notice him carrying these things outside? Well, okay, whatever. Um, to disguise the smell of burning flesh of the six dissected bodies placed under this pier, pyre, um, he crowned the bonfire with an old car tire. Three neighborhood uh. children stood to watch this particular bonfire 
and Nelson later wrote in his memoirs that he felt it would have seemed in order if he had seen these three children dancing around a mass funeral pyre. Oh. Wow. When the bonfire had been reduced to ashes and cinders, um, he used a rake to search the debris for any recognizable bones. Not noting his skull was still intact, he smashed it to pieces with his rake. So... Um, okay, this is an excerpt from one of his prison journals. I can only relate to a dead image of the person I could love. The image of my dead grandfather would be the model of him at his most striking in my mind. It seems necessary for them to have been dead in order that I could express those feelings which were the feelings I held sacred for my grandfather. It was a pseudo-sexual, infantile love which had not yet developed and matured, the sight of them, my victims, brought me a bitter sweetness and a temporary peace and fulfillment. That was written in April of 1983. He's very eloquent with his words. <laughs> I hate how much I liked that. Like, it's like the so, wording of it. it. Yeah, it's really well done. Like he's, I don't like usually... So like, insanity is not a plea he could, he could claim. No, <laughs> not with writing like mm. that. It's poetic. Sickening. It's it's disgustingly poetic. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to honor about around January fourth, nineteen eighty one. Nelson encountered an unidentified man who he described for investigators as an eighteen year old blue eyed young Scot mm. at the Golden Lion Pub in Soho. He was lured to Melrose Avenue upon the promise of partaking in a drinking contest. Because if you're eighteen, hell yeah, I get that. Like <laughs> enticement. Um, after Nilsson and the victim had consumed several beverages, Nilsson strangled him with a tie and subsequently placed the body beneath the floorboards. Um, Nilsson is known to have informed his employers he was sick and unable to attend work on January 12th, so that was eight days later, um, in order that he could dissect both his victim and another un unidentified victim he had killed approximately one month earlier. Jeepers. So by April, Kil Kilson. Well, that should have been his name. <laughs> Nilsson had killed two further unidentified victims, one of whom he described as an English skinhead. Ooh, I don't like using words like that because some people get very... But that's just what the note said. Mm. Whom he met in, um, I'm going to guess, Leicester, Leicester Square. Um, the other he described as a Belfast boy, a man in his early 20s, who stood at approximately five foot nine in height in relation to the first three... Um, first of these three unidentified victims, he later casually reflected, this is a quote, end of, end of the day, end of the drink, end of a person, floorboards back, carpet replaced, and back to work at the Denmark Street. Wow. I had to let that sink in for a hot second. That just fucking made me want to... So this talks about murders 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. They're very short little notes because I just kind of went over them. The fifth victim was another male prostitute, otherwise, um, who's never been identified still. Um, all that they know is he was from the Philippines or Thailand. Another male? So who was the other? These were people that were detailed out. This just gives a But little... I mean, like, I don't rem recall you saying somebody was a male prostitute, sorry, with the other victims, but okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, Nelson could very, um, murder number six, he could remember very little of this and the following two victim victims. All that he could remember is that number six was that he was a young Irish laborer that he met in a bar. The seventh victim was uh, one Nil Nilsson described as a starving hippie type he had found sleeping in a doorway in Charing, Charing Cross. Uh, number eight, he could recall nothing about his eighth victim. And murders nine and ten were both young Scottish men who he picked up in pubs in Soho. He could recall nothing, huh? Nothing. That's... 
That's how that's hmm. he's just kind of getting reckless though. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um la, la, la. the 11th victim was that oh, I keep calling him a skinhead and I don't like it. It's it is what it is. He had no hair on his head. He shaved his head bald. He's it's... a bald person. We're going to go with that. Picked up um, picked him up at a Piccadilly at Piccadilly Circus. I like Piccadilly. Sorry. <laughs> um, who had a tattoo around his neck saying "Cut here." Ooh, that's a little morbid. Um, he boasted to Nelson how he how tough he was and how he liked to fight. However, once he was drunk, he proved no match for Nelson, who hung his naked torso in his bedroom for 24 hours before he was buried under the floorboards. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. So, at some point between murders 6 and 11 on November 10th, 1980, a potential victim of Nelson's woke up while being strangled and was able to fend off his attacker. Wow. Although he called the police almost immediately after the attack, no action was taken by the officers, who, it is reported, considered the incident to be a domestic disagreement between two homosexual lovers, because, if you recall, back in when Dahmer was doing his Mm -hmm. stuff, his little like 14 year old victim was given back to him right. and then he went inside and killed him 10 minutes later yep sickening gross god not gross okay it. mm. it's fucking yeah it makes my skin just crawl 100 percent. all right um okay so this is victim number 12 and the last the last before nilson moved home was a man named malcolm barlow he was murdered on september 18th 1981 Nelson found him in a doorway not far from his own home. Sorry, I lost my track, my spot. And took him in and called an ambulance for him. What? Why? Okay. Um, when Barlow was released the next day, he returned to Nelson's home to thank him and was pleased to be invited in for a meal and a few drinks. Affection. Maybe, maybe <sighs> he, he was, was murdered him. later that night. Um, the final victim to be murdered at Melrose Avenue was oh, was twenty three year old Ma- Malcolm Barlow. Who, um, yeah, I already put that in there twice. Why did I do that? It's all right. So, um, when Nilsson acquired, inquired as to Barlow's welfare, he was informed the medication Barlow was prescribed for his epilepsy had caused his legs to weaken. And so that's why he was leaning against the wall outside of his house. Nilsson suggested that Barlow should be in hospital and supporting him walked into his residence. And then that's when he called for the ambulance. So he comes back, he feeds in and then he made, Okay. They eat, he drinks rum and coke, and then um, Barlow ends up falling asleep on the couch. Nelson manually strangled him as he slept before stowing his body beneath his kitchen be- beneath his kitchen sink the following morning. Wow. Was he little? He was running out of space. Apparently. <laughs> or it was like, time to burn him. I don't know. Oh, God. So, so in mid-1981... Nilsson's landlord decides he wants to renovate 195 Melrose Avenue and asks Nilsson to vacate the property. He was real resistant. <laughs> he did not want to leave, but accepted an offer of a thousand pounds. Um, a thousand pound pounds? Fine. Mm-hmm. From the landlord to vacate the residence. He moved into an attic flat on 23D Cranley Gardens in the Muswell Hill District of North London on October 5th, 1981. <gasps> That's my friend Ariel's birthday. Anyways, um, the day before he vacated the property, he burned the burned the dissected bodies of the last five victims he had at this address upon a third and final bonfire he constructed in the garden behind his flat. Again, he ensured the bonfire was crowned with an old car tire and dis- to disguise the smell of burning flesh. He had already dissected the bodies of four of these victims in January and August. That's weird. Those are my kids' birthday months. And only needed to complete the dissection of Barlow for his third bonfire. This guy... 
Wow. What the fuck? So, he ends up moving... Oh, excuse me. To a new house in Muswell Hill in October of 1981. Um, he ends up meeting a student in a bar in Soho and invites him back to his home. The student wakes up the next morning with little to no recollection of the previous evening's events and later went to see his doctor because of some bruising that appeared on his neck. Doctor repaired it... Uh, repaired. I'm fine. <laughs> appeared... Sat, okay, hold. <laughs> revealed that it appeared as if the student had been strangled and advised him to go to the police. Oh, however, afraid of his sexual orientation being disclosed, the, dis the student decided not to. Oh, boy. That's fucking sad. I'm grateful we're in a time now where it's not so scary to be who you want to be but and love who you want to But it's still fucking scary. It's still fucking scary. But no, you it's, are correct. It is so much better. Yes, but, but still scary, for sure. Okay, I shouldn't have worded it like that. No, no, you know, the way you are correct, and, and we need to find the positive, especially in this podcast right now. Sure, right. But, but it sucks yeah. that they st it's still it's something that stigma. people have to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, following this attempted murder, um, Nielsen ends up meeting a drag queen in a pub in Camden. After passing out from strangulation, he came to while Nielsen was trying to drown him in a bath of cold water Ugh. and managed to fight him off. Good job. You go, badass drag queen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Drag queens go are queen. Go queen. Go. hey yes. Glad you're... Okay. <sighs> so, this is, unfortunately, another victim. So, this is number 13. Um, this is 23-year-old John Howlett. Um, he was the first to be murdered in his new... In Nielsen's new Muswell Hill home in December of 1981. Well, I mean, he had to christen it. So. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I like how you put that, but holy shit. <laughs> he really likes killing people in December, because that's when a lot of these happen. Um, it's maybe well, after it his birthday, to he gets to Jones and... Fires. It's less... Mm -hmm. Maybe, mm -hmm. I guess, maybe it's less... Well, I don't know the right... Conspicuous? Route. Thank you. Yes. There you go. Um, Howlett was one of the... Oh, yeah. Um, was one of the few who was able to fight back. However, Nilsson had taken a disliking to him and was determined that he should die. Oh. There was a real big struggle. It says tremendous. I don't know why I didn't say that. I, I like you said real big. Real, real big struggle. Real big. Real big. <laughs> In which at one point, oh my God, Hallett even tried to strangle Nilsson back. Fuck yeah. Mm. You died a fighter. Um, eventually, unfortunately, he was drowned um, after having his held under held underwater for five minutes. Ugh. Hallett's was the first body to be dismembered, and the various body parts were bar oh my god body parts were either hidden around the house or flushed down the toilet. This is a key thing. Remember that. A week after he died, um, Nelson had the victim's fingerprints on his neck from John fighting back. You know what, John? Rest in the most beautiful paradise because you were a fucking badass. Um. So now we're moving to May of 1982. So about uh, almost yeah, about five months later, Nilsson encountered Carl Stotter, a 21-year-old gay man. Okay, thank you. As the youth drank at the Black Cat Pub in Camden, Camden, I'm fine. Nilsson engaged Stotter in conversation, discovering the youth was depressed following a failed relationship. Aw. After so he's like in his late mid to late 40s now. Yeah, Am I? he was born in 45. So this is 1982, so he's like, yeah, 45, 60, 70, 80. He's almost 40. Okay, I'm just kidding. He's like 37. I'm all thinking he's hella old. He's fucking my age or younger. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
After plying the youth with alcohol, he invites him to his flat, assuring his guest he had no intention of sexual activity. Bitch. Liar. Lies. At the flat, um, Stoddard consumed more alcohol before falling asleep upon a sleeping bag. He later woke up to, inf- to find himself being strangled with Nielsen loudly whispering, Stay still. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it like that, but I had to whisper it. Why is it? Why is that more creepy than everything else you've said? Stay <laughs> <laughs> still. Ah! Oh, I gotta go. Oh my the God. whispering it to somebody. Stay still. Stay still. Fuck you. Oh. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Okay. Holy shit balls. Um. Okay. I'm fine. So in his subsequent test, sub, subsequent, subsequent. I'm fine. It's fine. I like it. Said it right earlier. <laughs> big old fight. Um, testimony at Nelson's trial. Um, Stoddard stated he initially believed Nelson was trying to free him from the zip of the sleeping bag before he returned to a state of unconsciousness. He then vaguely, okay, vaguely recalled hearing water running. I don't know. My eyes just gave up. Before realizing he was immersed in the water and that Nelson was trying to drown him. After briefly succeeding in raising his head above the water, Stoddard gasped the words, no more, please, no more, before Nelson again pushed him under the water. Um, mm. Believing he had killed Stoddard, Nelson seated the youth in his armchair, then noted his mongrel dog, Bleep. His dog's name is Bleep? <laughs> Damn it! Why do you have a cool dog name, you piece of shit? Bleep! <laughs> beep, We're not beep. cussing right now. His dog's name is Bleep. I'm not okay. The dog starts licking Stoddard's face. Nelson reala- realized the tiniest thread of life still clung in the youth because he's a fucking badass. That's why. Mm-hmm. He rubbed Stoddard's limbs and heart to increase circulation, covered the body in blankets, the, ki- the youth's body in blankets. He's still alive. Then laid him on his bed. He ends up regaining consciousness. Nelson embraces him, and then he explained to Stoddard he had almost strangled himself on the zip on the sleeping bag and that he had resuscitated him. Fuck you. Wow. I'm fine. <sighs> Over the following two days, Stoddard repeatedly lapsed in and out of consciousness. When Stoddard regained enough strength to question Nielsen as to his recollections of being strangled and put in cold-ass water. Mm. Ass was not in my original notes. It's Mm. fine. Nielsen explained he had been caught in the zip of the sleeping bag following a nightmare and that he placed him in the water as you were in shock. No, putting him in cold water would put him in more shock, you fucking dumb fuck. Well, he's coming up with lies. Yeah, I know, but (laughs) I shouldn't justify it, but I'm just mad. But then Sauter, um, he took him to a nearby railway station where he informed the youth he had hoped they meet again before he bade him farewell. No. Because he's a, obviously a key in him getting fucking caught. Because he's a piece of shit. Yes. So now we're unfortunately going to move on to our next... So this guy's alive. Yes. Okay. Nick, our... Wait, was it Nick? Oh my god, where did his name go? Uh, Carl. I don't know why I Carl. said Nick. Carl. Carl. Carl's a fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm fine. I just can't get that. I'm not. I'm gonna dream about that tonight. Okay, so now we are moving on to unfortunate victim number fourteen, and his name is Graham Allen, and I love the name Graham. Um, he was twenty-seven years old. That's me. I'm that old. Mm. It was me. I died. <laughs> I'm fine, guys. It's getting late, and I'm tired, but no, we're gonna keep on trucking. Um, He was a homeless man who um, was trying to hail a taxi in Shaftesbury Avenue. On Shaftesbury Avenue is what that should say. Um, Alan ended up accepting Nielsen's offer to accompany him to Cranley Gardens for a meal. Um, As had been the case with several victims previous, uh, Nielsen stated he could not recall the precise moment he strangled Alan, but recalled approaching him as he sat eating an omelet with the full intention of murdering him. Yikes. 
this isn't even about like wanting to do things with them. He's just ready to murder. Right. Yeah, it's gone beyond. Yep. That was probably not a good sound in this new microphone. That's fine. Um, Alan's body was retained in the bathtub for a total of three days before Nielsen began the task of dis- dissecting the body upon the kitchen floor. Nielsen is again known to have um, informed his employees he was ill and unable to attend work on October 9th. What was his job? Do we know? 1982. I know he quit a job, but it doesn't ever state what he does. Okay. Or I didn't state it in my notes because I took these notes a long last time ago. Okay. Probably doing something. Probably a decent Probably job. a butcher. <laughs> Sorry. He did that in the army. I know. So <laughs> that's what I remember. Um, likely. Okay. So so he doesn't call him to work October 9th, 1982. Likely in, the, in order that he could complete the dissection of Alan's body. So. It's really interesting to call it dissection. It's like dismembering. Like I don't. <laughs> so this is where we're going to get real, real detailed here for a hot second when Bang. it goes into um, the this last victim. Okay. Um, this victim's name was Stephen Sinclair. He was a twenty-year-old drug addict. Um, they met in Oxford. They met on Oxford Street, and Sinclair managed to scrounge a hamburger off Nelson when they suggested they go back to his place after dropping into an alcohol, alcohol and heroin fueled stupor. Oh, honey. We don't fucking play. Ugh, sorry. I mean, if you're an addict, that's what you jump to. Like, oh, you're going to give me drugs? Hell yeah. Right. It's just, ugh, don't feed into fucking, don't feed people's addictions. It's just, anyways, obviously this guy's a piece of shit. Right. Nelson sat in an armchair watching the rock opera Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Sinclair was strangled with a necktie and a rope. While, and while getting ready to dismember his body, he noticed Stephen's wrists were wrapped recently from trying to take his own life. <sighs> Fuck you, Dennis. Following his usual ritual, he bathed the body, um, laid Sinclair's body upon his bed, applied talcum powder to the body, then arranged the three mirrors around the bed before himself, lying, uh, before himself lying naked alongside the dead youth. Wow. Several hours later, he turned Stephen's head towards him before bleh, before kissing the youth's body on the forehead and saying, Good night, Stephen. Wow. I want to fucking hit him and then vomit everywhere. He ends up falling asleep beside the body, as had been the case with both Howlett and Alan. Um, Sinclair's body was subse- subsequently dissected with various... Whoa, dismembered parts wrapped in plastic bags and stored in either a wardrobe, a tea chest, or within a drawer located um, beneath the bathtub. The bags used to seal Sinclair's remains were sealed in the same crepe bandages Nielsen had found upon his wrists. Oh. Nielsen attempted to dispose of the flesh, internal organs, and smaller bones of all three victims at Cranley Gardens by flushing the di- their dissected remains down his toilet. That's some seriously good plumbing, he yeah. hopes. Uh, <laughs> in, a pra- <laughs> in a practice which he had conducted several upon several victims killed at Melrose Avenue, he boiled the heads, hands, and feet to remove the flesh off these sections of the victims' bodies. Wow. <clears throat> okay. So now we're at... Wasn't there a lady who did that to her husband or the husband did that to his wife? And, like, fed it... I think it was a lady, and she fed it to her children. Or yeah. tried to, yeah, and she tried she to. Was like, they found, like, the foot or the hand or something. Or yeah. maybe it was one of the kids' hands. I don't remember. Yeah. Something weird like that. Creepy, yep. gross. It was, yeah, it was a lady. She took, she killed her husband. Yep. So on... And, fl- and flushed some of those yeah. remains. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. 
On February 4th, 1983, Nelson... <laughs> <laughs> I have a against that day. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry if that's your birthday. You're great. Yep. Well, other humans aren't so yep. great. Anyways, everybody's trying to be like, what are we talking about? These ladies are fucking crazy. What yes. is up with them on February 4th? I want to know. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> so, Nelson wrote a letter of complaint to estate agents complaining that the drains at Cranley Gardens were blocked and that the situation broke for both him and him... him um, for himself, the other tenants at the property was intolerable. Mm. Bitch, you're flushing people down the drain. Oh, I shouldn't say it like that. I wasn't trying to be humorous. It's all right. <laughs> like the bone. <gasps> sorry. I'm fine. Please don't get mad at me. I'm not trying to be. Nobody's going to get mad at you. It's fine. I just watched some people get mad about different stories. But anyways, it wasn't my podcast. Not yet anyways. Not till today. The following day, he refused to allow an acquaintance to enter his property, the reason being he had begun to dismember Sinclair's body on the floor of his kitchen. Casual. Nilsson's murders were first discovered um, by a dino rod employee, Michael Catron, Catron, Catran, sure, who responded to the plumbing complaints made both by Nilsson and other tenants at Cranley Gardens on February 8, 1983. Opening a a drain cover at the side of the house, he discovered the drain was packed with a flesh-like substance and numerous small bones of unknown origin. He thought, um, Katran reported his suspicions to his supervisor whose name was Gary Wheeler. As blockage, wait, no, as Katran had arrived at the property at dusk, he and Wheeler um, agreed to postpone further investigation into the blockage until the following morning, so they could see better. Yeah. Prior to leaving the property, Nilsson and se- um, several tenants convened with Katran to discuss the source of the substance. Upon hearing Katran ex- exclaim how similar the substance was um, to appear as human flesh, Nielsen replied, it looks to me like someone has been flushing down their Kentucky Fried Chicken. Trying to... Mm-hmm. 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 Someone who ate chicken for dinner tonight, I want to vomit. That's <laughs> <sighs> 7.30 in the morning, and so this would be February 9th, Katran and Wheeler returned to the um, apartment complex by... Uh, which time they dr- the drain had the drain had been cleared. This aroused the suspicions of both men. Katran discovered some scraps of flesh and four and four bones in a pipe leading from the drain, which linked to the top of, top flat of the house. To both Katran and Wheeler, um, the bones. Oh wait, okay. The the bones look as if they had originated. Oh my God, Nicole, originated from a human hand. Both men immediately called the police, who. Upon closer inspection, discovered further small bones and scraps of what looked to the naked eye like either human or animal flesh in the same pipe. That was probably a gross sound, I'm sorry. These remains were taken to the mortuary at Hornsey, where pathologist Professor David Bowen advised police that the remains were human and that one particular piece of flesh he concluded had been from a human neck bore with a ligature mark. Wow. Dum, dum, dum. So, upon learning from the fellow tenants that the top floor flat where the human remains had been flushed belonged to... (gasps) Dun-dun-dun! Nilsson. (laughs) Excuse me. Detective Chief Inspector Peter Jay and two colleagues opted to wait outside the house until Nilsson returned home from work. Casual. Casual. Mm -hmm. Being chill. Being chill. He returns home and um, Jay introduces himself and his colleagues explaining they had to inquire about the blockage in the drains from his flat. Nelson asked why the police were interested in his drains and also whether the other two officers present with Jay were health inspectors. In response, Jay informed Nelson that the other two were also police officers and requested access to his flat to discuss the matter further. 
The three officers end up following him inside where they immediately noted the odor of rotting flesh. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Nelson questioned further as to why the police were interested in his drains, to which he was informed the blockage had been caused by human remains. He feigned shocked and bewilderment, stating, Good grief, how awful. <laughs> I want to fucking slit his throat. Thank He's goodness. a good writer. He's not a good actor. Not at all. In response, Jay replies, Don't mess about it. Where's the rest of the body? Ooh, Fuck yeah, job, Jay. Jay. Get it. Get it. <laughs> Nelson responded calmly, admitting that the remainder of the body could be found in two plastic bags in a nearby wardrobe, from which DCIJ, because that's his title, is, and his colleagues noted that the overpowering smell of decomposition emanated. Ew. So did it take much ha- haggling or no. harassing for him Good to just... grief. How awful to... They're over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I killed those three people. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, in the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Look, the lion and the witch. Oh so, my gosh. God bless America. Um, so... Uh, The officers did not open the cupboard, but asked Nielsen whether there were any body parts to be found, to which Nielsen replied, It's a long story. It goes back a long time. I'll tell you everything. I want to get it off my chest. Not here, at the police station. He was then arrested and cautioned on suspicion of murder before being taken to Hornsey Police Station. As he was escorted to the police station, he asked whether the remains in his flat... Or... Nielsen was asked whether the remains in his flat belonged to one person or two. Staring out the window of the police car, he replied, 15 or 16 since 1978. Wow. So. Can you imagine being the cop? Nonchalant. Like, thinking, oh, we may have one or two on a body, but 15 people. 15 or 16 human lives were taken by this fuckface sitting in the back of their car. Ugh. Whoosh. We're almost getting to the end of part one here, guys. Because this is going to be a tupada. I don't tupada. know if you remember that. So, that evening, a detective superintendent, um, Chambers... Chambers? Is that his name? I don't know. Um, accompanied DCIJ and Professor Bowen to Cranley Gardens, where the plastic bags were removed from the wardrobe and taken to Hornsey Mortuary. One bag was found to contain two dissected torsos, one of which had been vertically dissected, and a shopping bag containing various several inter- internal organs. Second bag can be... Contained a human skull almost completely devoid of flesh, a severed head, and a torso with arms attached, but hands were missing. Because remember, he liked, he didn't say, well, yeah, he liked to boil the hands, feet, and head because it would help the flesh come off. Um, both heads were found to be subjected to moist heat. In an interview conducted on February 10th, Nielsen confessed there were further human remains stowed in a tea chest in his living room with other remains inside an upturned drawer in his bathroom. Oh, my god! The dismembered body parts were the body parts of three men, all of whom he had killed by strangulation, with usually with a necktie. One victim he couldn't name, another he only knew as John the Guardsman, and the third he identified as Stephen Sinclair. He also stated that beginning in December of 1978, he had killed 12 or 13 men at his former address, 195 Melrose Avenue, and he also admitted to having unsuccessfully attempted to kill approximately seven other people who had either escaped or on one occasion had been at the brink of death but had been revived and allowed to leave his residence. Wow. So. Jeepers. Creeper. Yeah. To the So this is going to be the end of part one. Part two is going to be a little bit short and then Sean is going to rabbit hole for y'all to kind of enlighten and decompress from this gnarly, gnarly story. Um, the next part is, yeah, the ending of his story is pretty short, but I mean, this is a lot to take in. So, 
um, yeah, remember, uh, uh, part two will be coming out on Friday this week for you guys. Cause yes. you're patient with us. And if we ever miss a week, we always try to put out two cause I always feel guilty, even though nobody was like, Oh my God, I'm so sad. <laughs> I was so sad. There's my week off when we don't record. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right. But okay. So fighters, right? Are there... Oh, Fantasy and World Music by the Fighters. They yes. do our A-R-A, uh-huh, our intro sound. Mm-hmm. We can be found anywhere on social media, Bloody Babbles Podcast. Search us. Um, that's Twitter, or, yeah, Facebook and Instagram, and then Twitter is Bloody Babbles. Um, and then we have uh, podchaser.com slash Bloody Babbles Podcast is one of the places you can rate and review us. Please do that. Yes. And um, leave comments. Don't just... You know, if you don't like us, please tell us why. If you do yeah. like us, please tell us why. If there's oh. things we need to work on, tell us what. Hopefully, Hopefully it's not sound. Hopefully it's not sound anymore because we have fancy, fancy. We've made these these mad, but they they pick up sound real great. <laughs> I hope I, as I get ready to go edit this, I really hope that I'm not lying to you right now. Yeah, me too. Because I'm like <laughs> way further away from the microphone than I've I know, ever and been. It's picking you up perfectly. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, um, if you guys ever have suggestions, you can message us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we're both on the Facebook page. Shauna seems to message you guys back more than I do. I, that's not true. It's only been one person. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> but that's fine. But it's fine. One of us will get back to you. We're pretty We're pretty on top of that because, um, yeah, this story wasn't suggested to us, but my homie on uh, Twitter, Nate, he's suggested a few to us, and then we've just suggestions all over. So We love it. I love it. It keeps me busy. Um, and we know we're doing it for at least one person that's interested. So, yeah. and hopefully it interests you guys. And then I still think we we do want it. We're going to do more um, of Unsolved too. We want to throw yeah. more of those so in there. So if there's Unsolved cases around y'all, please especially us know. you international listeners, because I really want to deep dive into some international stories. Fun. I would absolutely love that. I know one of the stories coming up here in the next couple of weeks, we've got one, I think another one from Australia that I think Nate suggested. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, um, international cases just fascinate me and I want them to be told with dignity and thoroughness and justice. You know, we try to do that here. Um, (laughs) so, um, so I'm glad we're back this week, guys. We're coming up on 5,000 plays. We're about almost about 300 away. We're not quite at 4,700 plays yet. And that just blows my brain apart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Much. Even if you don't love me. You can hear me now. You can hear much how clearly my love is now. <laughs> so, our beautiful, beautiful Babylonians, until Friday. Babylon! What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Zach. It's Josh. Zach, do you enjoy video games, drinking, and attempting to solve the world's problems through ridiculous schemes? Uh, yeah. Do you think others would enjoy that? I mean, I really hope so. So do I. So I think you all should come spend some time with us, the Midwest Meltdown. This show was created by these two fine gentlemen here, myself and Zach, when we spent the last 14 years telling each other funny stories, talking about video games, and literally anything else that comes to mind. We wanted to turn our passion for gaming into something that we could share with everyone. So again, follow us, the Midwest Meltdown, anywhere you can find your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, Google Pods. Check us out. We'd be happy to have you.